Hello, same 24 hours podcast listeners. Welcome back to another show. Today's guest is Heather Monahan. She's a best selling author, keynote speaker, TEDx speaker, executive coach, and founder of Boss in Heels. Having successfully climbed the corporate ladder for nearly 20 years, she is one of the few women to break the glass ceiling and claim her spot in the C suite. As a chief revenue officer in media, Heather is a Glass Ceiling Award winner named one of the most influential women in radio in 2017, and Thrive Global named her a limit-breaking female founder in 2018. Heather's newest book, Confidence Creator, shot to number one on Amazon's business biographies and business motivation list the first week it debuted on Amazon. Her new show, Creating Confidence, debuted on the top 200 shows on Apple Podcasts. Her guests include Sarah Blakely, Gary Vaynerchuk, and many other noteworthy celebrities and entrepreneurs. Heather's been featured in USA Today, CNN, Forbes, Fast Company, and The Steve Harvey Show. Most recently, she has added guest professor at Harvard to her list of accomplishments. I really enjoyed talking with Heather about creating confidence and what that means. I mean, so many of us as women struggle with our confidence. We don't know if we should try this new thing. We don't know if we can go give this talk. There's so much about our confidence that can hold us back. And I really love, she gave me some great advice um, that I think we can all take to heart when it comes to hard situations at work or how our reaction, our emotions, and how to keep that in check really, really instills us the ability to create confidence. So I hope you all enjoy this episode with Heather Monahan. Hi, and welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. I'm very excited about our guest today. Heather Monahan is here. Hello, Heather. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, thanks for taking the time. It's on the weekend, which is kind of cool. I actually appreciate the weekend <laughs> to do these. So thank you. Yeah, I have more free time on the weekend for I sure. Know, I know. So let's start with confidence. So I love what you do because everything you do like touches back to the concept of confidence. And I feel, and you probably have this experience too, that this is a big hole in a lot of women. Like we just don't have the confidence to take us to where we want to go or we never had it. Or where have you found in your work the reason why we kind of come to our adult life sometimes without the confidence? Oh my gosh, there's so many reasons, right? So everyone has their own different story, whether you grew up and you had a sibling that was smarter than you that was put on a pedestal and maybe at a young age that chipped away at that you started thinking I'm not as worthy as this person, you know, that happens in plenty of families, not not intentionally, whether it be media and this image of, you know, being 
very, very thin and maybe you weren't thin and, you know, or maybe you didn't think you were smarter, just these societal views that people internalize and then compare themselves to and or set others on a pedestal above them and start believing that they're less than and that just permeates. And then sometimes people start running negative self-talk, which really starts chipping away your confidence. And then when that happens, more negative people start showing up in your life and maybe they put you down or they make disparaging comments about you. And that really continues to erode at people's confidence over time. Right, right. And we look for evidence of why, you know, I found that if something happened when you were a kid, you know, they said someone said you were stupid or someone said you would never be a runner. You just continue to look for evidence to support that kind of theory, right? Until you decide, hey, that's not a good theory. I'm going to change it. Or you, you begin to create your own belief system, right? And that's what confidence is rooted in, right? Yeah. I mean, confidence is really all about not being concerned with what's happening externally because you feel really good internally. And it's a great topic to discuss around the pandemic that we're in that, you know, everyone feels like everything's out of control and who knows what's happening and who's going to live and who's, what businesses are going out of business. And it's very tumultuous. But when you have that certainty inside you, you're able to move forward with confidence that I don't know what's going to happen out there, but I know that in here I'll be okay. I'll make it work and I'll find a way. Yeah. So have you always been confident? What's your journey like? No. Yeah, no, for sure not. I, you know, I was very successful in corporate America. I was a chief revenue officer responsible for hundreds of millions of dollars. And I was lacking confidence. I, I would feel confident in certain arenas and situations. If I was leading something for my team where I was in charge, I was very confident. I had 20 something years experience doing it, right? So I had a lot of competence around it, which leads to confidence. However, when I would be at the executive table with other C-suite executives, and there was one in particular that hated me and made it known, I would, my confidence would be really shaky. (laughs) But it happens very often in corporate America, especially between women where there's a sense of jealousy or uncertainty and competitiveness, and not just between women, but in my experience, it's been mostly with women. And so, you know, I would start noticing her giving me dirty looks or ignoring me and trying to, in my mind, I thought, I'm so good at my job. I'm just going to focus on me and my job. I'm going to ignore this person. And that was an epic fail because the more you ignore poor behavior, the more you're allowing for it and teaching other people that it's okay to treat you that way. So as that went on and that time passed, my confidence, I was chipping away at my confidence and she was growing hers to the extent where she ended up getting the CEO position when her father became ill and she fired me immediately. And that that in, that entire situation where I realized in hindsight, I had allowed this to happen and happened right under my nose. And now my confidence was at a real low point. And that gave me the opportunity to rebuild confidence, you know, sustainable, real confidence within me, not about a paycheck or responsibilities or a job title outside of me. Yeah. And you make such a good point that personal accountability that so often we'll just kind of allow to chip away for whatever reason, whether it's the golden handcuffs or like you said, you know, it was your job and your boss and, and that wears away at our integrity and our confidence. Even if we don't have a lot of it, that's a quick way to, to hit it, you know, have the, have it hit the, the bottom. So I, my former life, I was an attorney and I was lucky to work for wonderful women 
And that was such a gift. But then when I left one of my firms and went to work for a male dominated litigation firm, everything changed. Like I had one of the partners literally scream at me from two offices down. Atwood, did you even go to law school? And he was like flinging the, you know, this brief I had written. And I thought, oh my gosh. I mean, and I felt like the stupidest human there, you know, but I allowed it to happen. I allowed, um, and so I, when I left, um, I sent my farewell email to the firm, like to the people saying, yeah, I'm out of here. And I said, um, I have really enjoyed getting to know most of you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, peace out. And everyone's like, oh my God, that was the best email because everyone knew that how horrible he treated me. But I never confronted him. I just left. Mm. And that is like one of those sort of hauntings I have because I thought the next female attorney that goes in there is going to be treated the same way. And I let him get away with it, you know? So, you know, it, it never happened That's again. It's also a learning moment that you, you know, what I try to do and I task people that, you know, I work with to do is take that moment now, revisit it in your mind and replay how you could have done it differently to have it been a confidence creation moment for you. And then once you create that moment in your mind and create that memory, now you're essentially putting in a new memory into your mind such that if this happens again, you're prepared, you know exactly how you're going to handle it and you're going to walk away feeling great. Yeah. Yeah. What could I have done? Tell me, give me some coaching. You know, well, if someone had done that to me, yeah, sure. However, that one thing people need to understand in life is, yes, someone might have a title that is higher up than yours. And, you know, maybe you report to that person, but there are life boundaries that exist and we can all look to someone we know that, well, that person does a really good job standing up for themselves. Oh no, that man would have never done that to my peer. No way. He would have never done it to that guy or he chose me because he thought he could get away with it. And that's the reality, right? right? So people treat different people differently. And that's for a reason. Some people have very strong boundaries and they're very clearly laid out for everyone. They know I have those now. So it, it's funny to me to think about this situation. I have to lean on a younger version of myself where I didn't have clear boundaries. And if that, you know, if that occurred and someone was screaming, did you even go to law school? Number one, I would stand up and I would walk into that room face to face with that individual completely calm and without emotion because there is zero place for emotion in business. And first of all, that person had already lost because they were emotional. They're yelling. Mm. So you're taking the power away from them. And I always see in any type of business dealing, if someone starts yelling or getting red, I start smiling because I know I'm winning. I'm taking, I'm taking all of their power. So I always smile, which pisses them off more. And then they lose it more, which again, now you're the person who, wow, you know, I'm really powerful and calm. And I stand in a very strong stance I would stand, not sit. I would stand over, you know, his desk and say, excuse me. And see what that person would say. Will that person yell again and say, when they see how strong, calm and confident you are and professional and how irate and out of control there? Well, if they do, did you even go to law school? Number one, you know, I went to law school. And number two, I think if anyone should be asking questions, it should be about your behavior right now. This is unacceptable and I'm not going to tolerate this. Oh, that's and then good. I would excuse myself. You, 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 no one should be yelling at people in a workplace. That's not right. appropriate. So I don't get my diploma off the wall and march it down there and throw it at them. 
Because in my head, like the 10 year replay, I'm like, I should have just gotten my diploma. And, you know, but no, that's no, because you didn't need to to show it to him. You didn't need to show (laughs) him the diploma. We all know you went to law school. Like that wasn't actually, it was like a fictitious question, right? He was just trying to push your buttons and he was trying to belittle you. And by removing all of the emotions, staying calm and making a real issue about him, which that's the real issue, right? Someone who's very unprofessional in the workplace, that's a problem. And, and, you know, reframe that for him. And then I would just remove myself from the situation. That is so smart. Like it would never occur to me to, to call someone on their behavior. I think I'm, I've been out of corporate America too long now, but I just, I mean, I'll call my kids on their behavior, but um, to, because I've always been really scared of the superior and, and I have that tickle in my throat when something goes wrong. It's like, Oh God, you're going to cry. Don't cry. Like, how do we not cry? <laughs> you know, you say, keep the emotion out of it. And um, cause I cry when I get angry or embarrassed. And I, and I remember when that moment happened, I went back to my office, I held it together and then I cried. Um, but that was one of the biggest struggles. And one of the reasons I was like, I got to get out of litigation because I can't ever cry in court and it's come too close too many times. So how do we train ourselves to harness that sort of emotion? That's just like part of us. You know, it's really about practice for me. That's how I was able to do it. When I was younger, I had cried one time at work in my early twenties and I didn't like how it felt afterwards. I saw people looking down on me, you know, in a professional sense. And when I went home that night, I thought to myself, how could I handle this better and or differently? I I could have removed myself quickly from the situation so I could go to my car and cry for a moment, get myself back together and come in. So I decided from that point forward, if I feel really hot and I'm, you know, getting upset, I'm going to say, excuse me, right quick. And anyone can leave a meeting right away if you have to, because people don't know what's going on medically with you or whatever, right? You have to go to the bathroom. So that became my new go-to is I would excuse myself right quick, either to the car or to the bathroom. I would come back inside and be calm and I would approach it that way. And I would do that so often that it became ingrained in me. I'm not, and I knew I'm not going to, it's not going to happen. And the more I would tell myself, okay, you're embarrassed, Heather, do you need to be embarrassed that someone yelled at you or should they be embarrassed? And the more I would think through these things after when I'm removed from the situation, I could replay, okay, here's another way I can handle it. Here's, I I don't need to feel embarrassed that that person should feel embarrassed and it's okay to be me and stand in there. And I I don't need to run to the car next time. Next time I'm just going to stay. And next time I'm still not going to cry. And like, you just keep taking those steps where you eventually get to a place where today, now, you know, I'm not in corporate America anymore. I work for myself, but I've run into many situations where someone is behaving inappropriate on a phone call or in a text message. And, and even a friend of mine, we were going to record for her podcast the other day. And last minute she sends me a text. Hey, I hate to do this to you, but I need to move you to four o'clock. And I wrote back, no can do my friend. We'll have to reschedule. And she called me right away. And she's like, how do you do that? And I said, what do you mean? How do I do that? And she said, how do you say no so easily? I said, I can't do it. Like, I, it doesn't work for me. It's no <laughs> right. big deal. And so that's sort of along those same lines. The more you create the boundaries, respect your calendar, respect yourself, respect, you know, what you have going on, that it becomes very matter of fact to respond to people. 
Yeah. Oh, this is so good. You just gave like excellent advice. I wish I had known you <laughs> 10 years ago. Um, but so how <laughs> I wish we... I had known me 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So what are some, I mean, it sounds like it's really a practice that it's a, it's a habit. It's, it's something you cultivate. So where, where do you begin? Do you begin with a dream, a goal? Do you begin with affirmations? Like what is the first thing for someone who's like, I've got no confidence I, I need some of that. I need some of this action. Where do we start? You know, everybody's different. And I don't believe in like, oh, here's the one Advil pill and it fixes all and just go do that. And that's not real. So for me, I had a villain in my space. And as long as that villain was going to be in my space, I wasn't going to be running at my high confidence level because it was constantly eroding and I wasn't recognizing it. So if somebody is out there and they have a villain in their space, a coworker, a peer, a friend, a husband, whoever, if someone's always putting you down, trying to sabotage you, and you're trying to look away, you will never reach your full confidence with that situation existing in your life. It's impossible. I've lived it. I know it for a fact. So people in those situations need to fire their villains. Then there's people that they're their worst villain. They're constantly speaking negatively to themselves. They're self-sabotaging, right? So for those people, they need to start getting real. They need to journal. They need to start listening to their intuition, listening to what they're saying to themselves and writing those things down and saying, would I say this to my child? Would I say this to my best friend? How is this going for me? Is it working really well that I beat myself up every day? Hmm, no, it's not. I don't feel great about this. Okay, what could be a new script I could write and read? How would I say this if someone you know, dropped a ball? How would I say it to explain to a child? I would say, it's okay. You're going to learn from this and get another shot. Okay, I'll say that to me next time, right? So it's, it's like relearning how to speak to yourself. And if you do that with practice and discipline, you can rewrite that script and become your biggest advocate instead of your biggest saboteur, which is really, really scary. Then you need to start figuring out who you are without other people's influence. So asking yourself, when you leave a lunch, how do I feel when I walk away from that person? Do I feel uplifted and excited? Or do I feel a little down and disconnected and doubting myself, right? Paying attention to how we respond to being around other people because we truly have to curate the right people to spend time with and the ones that we need to get more distance from because it's not benefiting us in that time or in that time of our lives. Then we need to start saying, how do I feel when I'm at the gym? How do I feel when I'm painting? How do I feel with my children? And noticing in all these different facets of our life, we can have ebbs and flows of confidence. Some people are super confident in a relationship, but not confident at all at the gym. And they're petrified and they feel totally like a fish out of water. And then some people are really confident in their career and feel amazing. But when they're out at a cocktail party, they have no confidence. So it's identifying where are the opportunities to build more confidence and what are those different levers that you can pull when you're going to those situations to help yourself. That's great. That's great. Why do some of us choose to continue to stay stuck? And I say choose because sometimes you really encounter people who say they want to change and, and, and you believe that they do, but there, is there anything to be gained by staying stuck? And I, I like to ask people about this um, kind of dark side of us, like why we continue to go back to the thing that harms us or why we continue to, to not try to gain confidence. I mean, there's a, when you're not choosing confidence or you're not choosing to move forward and you're not choosing action, you're choosing to stay stuck. You're choosing to, 
to stay where you are. And so what, what in your experience are people gaining by choosing to stay where they are? Yeah, not making a decision is the decision, right? That you're just deciding to stay right where you are. Well, in those situations, first of all, based on how people, I'm a psychology major, and based on how people grew up, there are certain programming that becomes implemented in your mind, right? So if you grew up in a family where everybody was saying they were going to do things and didn't do it, and everyone was saying, I'm going to you know, take care of you this way, and then they would drop the ball, you begin to expect and project that on some subconscious level. It's just, it's fact. Now you can change it. Of course you can change it. I actually went to a hypnotherapist to help me reprogram some of the bad behaviors I had learned and things I expected like that. You know, someone says they're going to do something, they don't do it. Oh, well, that's just, you know, that's the way it is because that's how I grew up. And so I wanted to rewrite that programming so that when you defer to your subconscious, it's saying, no, if someone says they're going to do something, they need to do it. Heather, get up and do it. Like this is the right thing to do. So it depends on what your programming is in your mind. And it's about identifying that, acknowledging it, being aware, self-aware, asking people who love you, you know, hey, can you help me? I'm really trying to work on this right now. Would you let me know if you're noticing any of these behaviors? Asking someone who's light years ahead of where you are and who's, who is where you want to go, yeah. not someone who's not where you want to go. That's an epic fail. A lot of people right. say, well, I, I asked my mom to help me and you know, she told me I should stay at home and read books. And then you're like, wait a minute, but is your mom super confident? And is she right where you want to be? No, she's not at all. Okay. Don't ask her advice then on this topic. Ask someone that you know, that's where they're, they're already there. So then you just need to ask them for that map that they're using. It might be a good map for you to look at once in a while too. Right. So I would just say that, you know, we all have our past. We all have our downsides, but you just need to get real with you. And you need to say, am I happy where I am? Is this working for me? And if not, what are the things that I would like to change? Who is someone out there that I'd like to emulate? And what are some of the different things that they're doing? Maybe they're around people that are light years ahead of them all the time. So they're constantly stretching themselves to grow. For a long time in corporate America, I wasn't around people that were ahead of me. I wasn't around people that were stretching me to grow and I wasn't growing, but it took me getting real to say, hang on, I got to pick my head up here and look around. Is this where I want to be in five years, right where I am today? No. Then we need to start doing something differently. Yeah. So what is the scariest part of growth? Like when you, when you kind of put your foot down you say, okay, I'm, I'm done staying where I'm at. I'm ready to make changes. What have you found? is the scariest things that people experience? Is it fear of failure? Is it fear of success? Is it what other people think? Like, and I I still feel like it's something that may hold you back because you step out and you're like, no, never mind. No, thanks. (laughs) You know, like what, what does that look like? What, what is the biggest fear? Do you think that people encounter when they decide, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it but I'm scared. It's different for different people, but I would say this is universal that stepping into fear is what people are afraid of. So whether mm-hmm. it's fear of failure or fear of success or fear of embarrassment, it's stepping into the fear. That, and that is universal for everyone. That's universal for me. Anytime I'm starting to grow, I have to step into fear. If I pull back from it, I know I'm going to chip away at my confidence because I'm walking away from an opportunity to grow. If I step into it, I'm going to grow my confidence regardless of the outcome of that endeavor. So it's choosing to see fear differently. I choose to see fear as a green light that means go. And so anytime I feel fear, I say, green light, go. And the more I do that, let me tell you, it's gotten me out of some horrible situations. I was giving my first TEDx talk in November, a few months back. 
And I was petrified the minute came to walk out to that red circle. I was petrified. However, I have trained and really worked on the past year, year and a half on this fear is a green light. Like when I feel it, it means walk out right now. And the more you do that, the more conditioned you are to do that. I also have a a whole routine that I do that gets me in the right mindset. But I remember them calling my name out and I could feel petrified. I was sweating. I was really starting to panic. And I said to myself, if you don't walk out there, you will never forgive yourself. If you walk out there and blow it, you will be so proud of you step into your fear. And I just walked right out and I ended up killing it. Thank God. But it was it's all about getting through, getting from behind the curtain to the circle. You know, it's stepping into the fear. Once you're out there, you're out there, right? Like stepping onto the field, but it's stepping into that fear. It's a very short little walk, but once you're out there, you're going to be just fine. Oh, that's good. That's good. I feel the same way. Every time I do a talk, I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm not a public speaker. And then I'm like, wait a minute. When I mean, in the middle of it, I'm like, this is what I want to do my whole, you know, forever. I love it. But it is that prior moment. You're like, oh my God, I really should just not do this. Yeah. And you just step out there. It's such a good, good example. All right. So your podcast, Creating Confidence. What do listeners, what if someone who's listening to my podcast goes and heads over to yours, what are they going to find? So the structure of my podcast is a little different. The first third of the show is just me alone with my listener talking about what's going on in my life during that time, because I'm constantly growing. I'm constantly stepping into fear. I'm constantly dealing with challenges, whether it's Zoom school and and being the lunch lady (laughs) while working from home, or maybe it's trying to land a new guest, or maybe it's about my new book deal and I'm struggling to hit my deadline. I'm always sharing what's happening in real time in my life and how I'm figuring out to overcome the obstacles that I'm faced with. The middle portion of my show is an interview with one of my guests. And then the last third of the show is the Q&A where I open up my show every week. Anyone can send me a DM, an email, a message anywhere on social media. And I answer all the questions um, live on my show. Very cool. Very cool. And you have a book out, Conf- Confidence Creator, and you have a second book coming out in the spring. So how's how's the the new book going? How's the writing? Are you, is, are you done? You, you got to be getting close. no. I, I, my is due in 60 days. So I'm okay. Maybe I'm probably not even halfway done yet, but you know, um, I said to my son the other day, I'm like, Oh, I only have 60 days left. I, and he's like, mom, 60 days. You're going to be fine. It's an eternity. So I just, you're like, <laughs> it, well, I come from the media business where you might get a call Tuesday at six o'clock saying, be at New York in New York tomorrow morning, you're giving a presentation. We just got the deal. You know, we got the meeting. And so you have to create a presentation overnight, book a flight, get on that flight and be ready to deliver. And we used to say when I'm, one of the guys on my team would always say 24 hours is a lifetime. Like if, <laughs> as long as you have 24 hours, you can do anything. And I really live my life that way that, okay, I have to say 60 days. I know I can get this done. Right. But don't wait for 24 hours. That will give me a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, that would be, that'd be a lot of writing in a short window of time. It would be a stretch maybe, but you can do it. I mean, I'm I'm kind of the same way. I'm like, yeah, I mean, 24 hours, you can get a lot done. Hence the name of this podcast, right? The same 24 hours. We can, it depends. Yeah. Well, this is great, Heather. Such great advice. And thanks for the, the speed coaching on me right there. That was super helpful. And where can everyone follow you and, and be sure to pre-order your book when it's ready? So I'm at Heather Monahan on all social media. My website is heathermonahan.com. My book is Confidence Creator and my podcast is Creating Confidence. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.